This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is hard sometimes, and there are many pathways in navigating the inevitable ups and downs of life. In riding these waves, I look to my yoga practice and also therapy. We all go through tough times like big life changes, periods of instability, conflict, or loss. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist entirely online, which is very convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Take the questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And if it's not the right match for you, no worries. You can change your therapist for no additional charge. Sometimes getting started in therapy is the hardest part. To make it a little bit easier, go to the link provided in the show notes or go to visit betterhelp.com slash yoga and podcast today to get 10% off your first month. Hey friends, I would like to take just a moment of gratitude and thank our new Patreons to the show. Suzanne M, Trish M, Lisa D, and last but not least, June H. Thank you so much for your support. Without that, this show would not be possible with so much gratitude from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you would like a shout out of your own on future episodes of the show um, and podcast stickers and virtual online classes with cats and me and much more, you can check out our Patreon in the show notes for that. And I hope you enjoy this episode coming up. Welcome to the Yoga and Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, a yoga teacher and embodiment teacher who's living, teaching, and learning every day in the beautiful Austin, Texas. And I'm curious about all things yoga and. And lately, I've been interviewing the people in the yoga community who are contributing to the world in creative and innovative ways. Today, we will explore the subject of yoga and living life off the mat. I'm especially excited about this episode because I'll be interviewing the very knowledgeable yoga teacher and yoga teacher trainer, Christine Anderson. We will be discussing all about yoga and how you can take your practice with you into your daily life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode, y'all. Joining us on today's episode is yoga teacher, teacher trainer, and body worker based out of Austin, Texas, Christine Anderson. Hey, Christine. Hi. How are you today? Doing so well. Super honored to join you on this podcast. It's such a joy to be able to talk all things yoga. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on. Um, I always like to ask people, those who don't know you personally, um, who are you and how did you get here? (laughs) How did I get here? The world just birthed me in. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So I am originally from the Chicagoland area and I moved to Austin in 2013. So it's been coming up on seven years, which is kind of wild. Time goes pretty quickly. Um, And... I really dove deep into teaching when I moved to Austin. Uh, I found my way to you and this lovely podcast through the amazing community of yogis in Austin and 
and social media and just the connection that Austin provides for the yoga community. When I moved here, people would say that Austin is kind of the yoga mecca. And I, it feels like that with all those different studios and teachers. So yeah, that's mm -hmm. how I'm here. Yeah. Cool. Uh, each episode, I like to ask what your definition is of yoga. So what is your definition personally of yoga? Yeah, it's so fascinating to think about my path of yoga and what it was initially into now. And through life experiences, through teaching, through being a student, currently it is walking in alignment with my highest self. And of course, that's a practice. Um, but, you know, taking the time to process choices that are in front of me, is this really in line with my highest self or is this ego or is this fear and tapping into that i find you know the root of yoga is union um and to me that alignment of highest self is is that union and right sometimes i follow that and sometimes i don't so that's why it's such a practice yeah and i love it you said choices i do feel like practicing yoga uh, creates this awareness that you do have choices and I really love that answer and I, I love asking people because it's such a such a deep question you know you could go so many different ways with it um, yeah. so today's episode is about um, yoga and taking your practice off the mat or living your life off the mat and um, let's, let's explore that a little bit more. So uh, how would you explain for you what that means taking your practice off the mat? Yeah, you know, again, originally when I first was introduced to yoga, um, this was about 2007, yoga was a thing that I did, right? Mm. It was, I would go to the studio and practice and then be done and continue on my day. And it's really fascinating to look back and see that evolution mm -hmm. of the journey itself. And, and, and I look back in almost awe because now it's all of my life. And that's why I got so interested in sharing what taking yoga into my whole life looks like and living the yoga and especially in our day and age when we are such a success-driven society and productivity is everything, right? Mm -hmm. So people and myself included from my past of, okay, I have this to-do list and yoga is part of that to-do list and I feel better when I get that checked off my to-do list. And that, yeah, definitely was true. I would say, oh, yeah, I, I did yoga today. And then the more I practiced, I would find that I would stay longer at the studio. I'd want to mm -hmm. sit with the teachers. I would want to sit with the community and just talk about our experiences. And so it not, moved from just the studio into the, the community. And then all of a sudden, I noticed it applying to more of my conversations outside of, of the studio. And then eventually I signed up for a teacher training and that conversation continued. And I noticed the people I was spending time with had shifted and the things that I became interested in shifted. 
Mm-hmm. And more and more, I saw my life forming around this practice. And the more I saw that it was becoming, right, mm-hmm. a part of me, I was beginning to embody this practice that I once thought was just a thing to do. And now it wasn't, it was acting out into my life. And it really was an organic process. I don't even think it was, okay, I'm going to make this part of my life, right? And I think that's why it's so beautiful. There was a bait, the practice, the asana was the bait. And then it just kind of naturally drew me in to say, hey, here I am and I can enrich your life in so many ways. And so that is why I sit with you today. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And uh, they, don't they say, don't take a teacher training unless you want everything in your life to change. Right. Yeah. And it's totally true. Yeah. And it sounds, yeah, it is. It's like the the asana is the bait and then it opens you up to really big things. That's, that's really beautiful. That's a great. um, I remember actually when I did my first teacher to my, when I took my first 200 hour the first day I was sitting down in our group and I saw my teacher and she started speaking and teaching and had this like aura of like love and light. She was the namaste, right? Mm-hmm. And something just clicked. It was like my eyes were unveiled and I knew like my dharma, this duty inside me was like birthed of that. That's it. This is your path. And it was so like alarming because here I was, didn't even know how to teach a sun salutation. And yet I knew I wanted to, to follow her path. I wanted to teach teacher training and I didn't know how I was going to get there. Right. Or when that was going to happen. And it just day by day, week by week, year by year, just unfolded itself naturally to now that's what I do. Yeah. That is, that is amazing. Like you went from just kind of taking yoga classes, talking to people after class. And, and like you said, it evolved and now you teach teachers yoga, like, and it's probably happened pretty fast or how long have you been? It did. It really happened pretty quickly. And, and that's interesting because I finished actually, as I was finishing my 200 hour, I already enrolled in my 500 hour. I was so eager just to continue. I didn't want it to stop. Yeah. Um, and I finished my 500 hour within a year. Um, and then quickly after I, I, it just was the door open for me to teach and teacher training. Mm-hmm. And, and so I said, yes. And yeah. And, and the thing is there was so much fear in terms of feeling, Oh, I'm, I'm still so brand new. Um, but my background was in education. So in Chicago, I was an art teacher at a high school mm-hmm. and teaching came very naturally for me mm-hmm. and holding space. And yes, the content itself was different, mm-hmm. but the reason why I went into teaching art was to provide a holistic experience for exploration and curiosity. Oh. Yeah. And then the, that world really sucked my soul dry. Mm. And then, so when I sat in the, saw my teacher teaching training, I thought, oh, like I don't have to just think in the small box 
right? I can teach something that is holistic and very freeing. Um, and so I think life had its path in the most beautiful way laid out. That is, that is beautiful. Yeah. Cause being a school teacher is not an easy job. I have friends who, whew, I don't know how y'all do it. <laughs> I didn't do it very long. It's a hard job. And so it's hard. like, wow. And I think, you know, we're talking about living life off your mat. That was actually my first wake up call. So I was teaching in Chicago, I was practicing and I, I was living this life that I would have, I was just looking forward to Friday every single week. I couldn't Mm. wait till Friday. Um, to come, you know, it was something, art is something that was near and dear to my heart, but the experience was nothing like I expected. And I was anxious. And honestly, I was moving into a state of depression because my whole life revolved around teaching, but it was in a capacity that felt very like big brother was watching me in every single move. And it was very much test driven and results and and then when sunday came i was just overwhelmed with anxiety that i had to spend the next five days all day long in this space Uh and i i lot my yoga practice the physical practice was really drifting to the wayside and it was a wake-up call this could be my whole life and i that's when i decided i love teaching my yoga practice was my anchor of groundedness mm. and I was losing that. Right. And so that's what was a springboard for me to be like, Hey, let's, let's pause this and mm. let's dive into something that you're interested in and really passionate about. And it was like a reset for me to just be in a space where it felt supportive and open and like I wanted curious exploring Um, and that's why I have so much joy teaching training now. Um, I have not gone back to the world of education in its public sense, Mm -hmm. but that was my first wake up call of let this is, I'm, I'm missing something. I was longing for my yoga practice to become more than just a thing. So I, I have so much gratitude for my experience in the public education, even though it was hellish I will say um but that really was the kind of push for me to wake up wow yeah that's I mean that is a beautiful story and you had to really you had to choose yoga and you had to be vulnerable and you had to just go for it it sounds like because it would have been safe and predictable to stay where you were exactly so how brave were you for stepping out of that? Thank you. You know? And I think that's, you know, for students or teachers or those who are in teacher training that, like you said, you don't sign up not wanting to be changed or not expecting to be changed. It's going to happen in some way. That's just what it does. It brings out so much. Mm-hmm. And after I felt that, like, Dharma call in my teacher training to teach, full time and to pursue this path, there was still fear. And I will 
address that, that there was that like, oh, teaching in the public school, this is really safe and familiar. My financial security is there, right? Mm -hmm. um, insurance, all those things, those are very real. Yeah. And, but I knew in my soul that I was not going to be fulfilled with that. And I wasn't going to be in a place that felt thriving. And mm -hmm. I think that whether we want to teach yoga or whatever path that yoga inspires us to follow, there is going to be that fork in the road, right? And then there's always that option to go the easy, comfortable way. Mm -hmm. But I think there's so much more on the side of the challenge. And I think that's what really living life off my mat looks like is this way is comfortable and easy, familiar, and this way is maybe uncertain and a little bit scary and unknown, but that's where we grow. Yes. Yeah. So choosing growth is what yoga has taught you? Is that what you would say? Definitely. I, and that's, you know, I actually, right before this, we jumped onto this. Yes, I teach teacher trainings. Mm -hmm. Um and teach full-time, but I'm still in a place of being a lifelong learner. I just enrolled in another online course on philosophy. Ooh. And, yeah, I'm really excited through Yoga International. And um, I think that's the part of it is if we stay in a place that's familiar and secure, it is easier. And I'm not saying that's a wrong path for some people, mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I, keep coming back to, I have one life. I want to learn and grow. And, and if I continue to learn and grow, that keeps one humble, right? So even if I'm a teacher or teacher trainer or whatever that label is, I will always want to be a student because that keeps you fresh. Yes. Curious. And that's yes. what, you know, this path is about is really learning about ourselves. It is. It's all about the self. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so refreshing because it is always revealing. Yeah, it is. Even, even when it's like, oh, I wish I didn't see that side of myself. <laughs> yeah. It is. Oh. Totally. Yeah. So what, um, what, what, what advice would you give yourself or what do you wish you would have known when you had started out on this yoga journey that you know now? Yeah. You know, I, in hindsight, there's so many things I would give my younger self advice, but mm -hmm. I, I really believe that it unfolded as it needed to. Um, I actually was taken to my first yoga class through my mom. Thanks mom. Oh. And I was in high school at the time, and I was a very unruly teen, struggling um, with oh. identity. And yeah, I never would have guessed that. I mean, you know, I just... Oh, yeah. I was a rebel rouser, totally. Oh. Um, yeah, by the time I was a junior in high school, or yeah, around that, um, I had been sent to the hospital twice for drinking too much and oh. yeah and right after my first yoga class I, my parents actually decided to intervene and I was sent to a rehab for 40 days yeah and 
I guess that was my original wake up call. The yoga, my mom tried first and that it was a Bikram class. Um, and I was like perplexed and confused and sweating and mm-hmm. everyone was like in tip top shape. And I felt afterwards super exhausted. And I remember sitting in my basement of my house and just being like, what was that? Like, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. However, the conditioning of my youth was, I was surrounded by, you know, a group of friends that weren't really the best influence. And that stronghold was very strong. So my parents decided to take me out of high school when I was a senior and when I was in that rehab center, I was surrounded by like heroin addicts and people who are struggling with cocaine and, and crack. And then that was like, whoa, um, I don't want to follow that path. Yeah. And so that kind of woke me up initially just to step away. And from there on out, then I continued my yoga journey. So I attribute it's so interesting I think it's like this pattern I see with um, teaching in Chicago was very hellish and then that period of my life was also very dark however those points of time were such radical shifts of growth for me Mm -hmm. and so you know it maybe sounds cliche but there we don't need to fear the dark because sometimes that is what we need to come into the, to the light. And that's what I needed for my life. So I think I kind of went in a round giant circle here, but you know, so that's why I think I, don't, I wouldn't change anything about my initial experience with yoga as it was something to do because it still was a life raft for me to come to. And but I was the yogi originally that would, as Shavasana was being, we were led into Shavasana, I would roll up my mat and sneak out of the room. I hated Shavasana in the beginning. I was like, or I'd come up with like jokes and like really inappropriate jokes in my head. <laughs> You're like, I don't need to be here. I hope no therapist out there is hearing that, but. Oh, I love it. And I think, you know, I, I think back to why I was doing that. You know, I didn't realize the importance of the integration Shavasana was offering. Mm -hmm. And I also think that I also had this tendency to just flee. The stillness Mm. was so potent that that's when you see your thoughts, feelings, and emotions really come to the surface through the whole your vinyasas and your warrior twos and your twists. And then it's like stillness. Same. Yeah. I completely identify with that. Like a hundred percent. Like for me, the, the, the knock knock jokes or whatever was a way to escape. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I think that's so, you know, the more I teach, I think it's very common. Um, and it's okay. Um, because I think that's part of the process to become still, we live in such a society that's like, you wake up in the morning and you just go mm-hmm. and we don't stop until we like hit the bed. Right. Yeah. And so I think stillness and relaxation is, is a practice in itself. Now I'm like the last person that leaves this, the room. I'm like, wait, Shavasana is over. I'm not yeah. Ready. Cause you get it. Yeah. You're like, this is the good stuff. Good. And, and when you, 
it's that same idea of not fearing it. It's like the human emotion is such a large spectrum. And so when I'm in Shavasana and all that stuff still comes to the surface, it allows me to see mm-hmm. within the safety of that stillness of, hey, this is, this is part of the process. Mm-hmm. And so I can see these things, these thoughts, these feelings, emotions, and let them, let them come, ride those waves, be with them. And then the practice has taught me that that's not me though right? Those emotions aren't me though. I'm thinking those things, right? I'm, but I'm not my thoughts. Mm. And I think that that's like the juice of yoga for me is like having this awareness through life. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And I love, I love that you brought that up, that your thoughts aren't who you are. And I say that again, because I I think people need to hear that a second time. Like, yes, Yes. (laughs) you know, what is it? Um, You are the sky, but everything else is just the weather. Like, you know, it's that. It is that. And I, and especially like in our day and age when there's so many things pulling for our attention and social media and, you know, again, the, the ladder of, career growth and mm-hmm. image and all the things right that you see and self-worth is so interesting because we as a society and myself included put so much self-worth in in progress and and mm-hmm. even in asana then it's shifted to i can do x y and z pose mm-hmm. i feel good about myself right and so that's shifted too is i in that practice of yoga, I found my way to Ashtanga really quickly, which mm. for those who are listening, maybe you're familiar or not, it's really the, the practice that birthed like flow and vinyasa. And it is a set series with six individual series. And I loved it. I came to Austin, I found a teacher and it was very small. There was like three or four of us students with our teacher. So I got all the hands-on assists and all the attention um, to detail of my breath and my alignment, which I'm forever grateful for. Mm -hmm. But I also, since I was so dedicated to this practice, I was progressively moving deeper into this practice. And so there was lots of wild binds and leg behind the head postures. And, uh, you know, there was a sense of like, oh, I'm an awesome yogi, right? Mm -hmm. I can do all these shapes. And then the more I continued on the practice of the, the philosophy and the anatomy, I realized with actually a recent guest of yours, Mark Uridel, who yes. I adore and admire so much, um, woke me up another time, right? Another time to wake up about form versus function. Mm-hmm. So I could do these funky shapes, but was it really functional for my body? Mm. And I was experiencing some sacrum discomfort because of all the legs behind the head. And so after training with him, I I paused and I reflected and decided I do not need to be doing this pose. I don't need to be doing these extreme postures Mm -hmm. that aren't really serving my body. And so it's this progression that I see that came over time. And if I learned all of it from the beginning, 
I think I would have missed those profound personal wake up calls. Yeah. 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 It's like everything's research in life. Like every experience is like, Oh, I needed to know that. Yeah, I think that's an excellent way to research. Everything can be a lesson if we allow it to be. Yes, I like that. So it's this is not on the list, but um, I'm just curious about cultivating, taking your practice off the mat to someone out there who's listening, who's brand new to yoga. And this idea of taking yoga off the mat, what, what advice would you give to them? What, what might be little things? Yeah that person might benefit from you, that you might know about to take off the mat? I think this is great. Um, because it seems, especially if you're not on the path right now, wanting to do teacher training and you're comfortable with just, you know, being a student at a studio, that's mm -hmm. excellent. And another way that I think is the most accessible and practical is our breath and that resources with us all the time so for me it's becoming aware even now still of when i feel anxious or rushed or maybe even or sad or angry or whatever the emotion is activated is to just one hand on my heart one hand on my belly close my eyes shift away from external stimulation and just breathe into my body and feel my heart beating and feel my belly breathing. And that hand on myself feels supportive. Like I am my support and I'm here, I'm here for you, right? That mm. bigger self is like, I'm here, I'm here, girlfriend. <laughs> You're here, your breath is here, your heart is here. And it's just such a quick moment to pause, right? Okay. Yeah. You know, you don't need any other thing. It's just, just draw it in. Um, and I still do that. Even when I'm teaching, sometimes ah. I feel a little distracted or, you know, some studios will have windows and something pulls my attention. I'm very Vata in the oh. world. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very creative and then I get really like, Oh, a squirrel. So <laughs> if that ever happens, you know, I just, or a thought pops into my head, just bring it right back to body. Yeah. And, you know, we live in such a world that's up here in the mind, mm -hmm. always thinking. And how often are we feeling? And so feeling my belly move, feeling my heart beat, feeling my lungs, feel it, just feeling is so mm -hmm. earthing. Yeah. So it's a little quick, instant grounding is what, how you utilize that that's that's a great tip yeah so everyone listening the next time you feel a little ungrounded yeah do what christine was telling you yeah yeah and i think Be right you know, back into centered centered exactly yeah and and the closing of the eyes obviously do this if you're parked in your car not driving um, <laughs> yeah but it's giving ourselves permission to rest our eyes for a moment from looking and seeing and perceiving and it's it's almost becoming like just noticing the weather like you were saying like the mm -hmm. sky noticing the weather of your inner landscape of okay it's okay um so that was my you know no one actually taught me that i think 
I just started doing it naturally because it felt like a little hug to myself. Um, and then it just continued to grow. Like the idea of how can I enrich my life more with yoga in my life? The, the craving was there of, okay, this, this practice has drastically enhanced my life, just the asana itself. And I wanted more. I thought, wow, I think my life can become more rich. And the more I studied, the more my mind was kind of processing all these amazing practices of sound. Of, and I just listened to that, the podcast of sound. Oh, cool. And, yeah, so powerful. And, and meditation and deeper breathing exercises and, and philosophy, the philosophy practices of yoga that I think that really gave me a moral compass to how I wish to move through life totally got me anchored and helped me kind of navigate the choices again of mm -hmm. is this really beneficial or is this working are these are these thoughts really serving me you know is this relationship really in benefit for both of us yeah. Hey, friends, since we're in a revolution now, uh, I wanted a little section in each episode that spotlights uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color. Uh, LGBT plus community, businesses, organizations, specifically in those areas. And this in no way is a paid advertisement or a sponsorship. It's just honestly, from the bottom of my heart, uh, just I want to feature someone every episode. And um, lately I've been going to not going. I've been in my home virtually taking classes, uh, workout with Erica Nix. Oh, my God. This is, she is such a fun human being. So these classes are virtual, they're online. It's like uh, you learn a little bit of every kind of dance. You learn how to rave, you learn how to cheerlead, you learn um, how to dance to the song called Bubble Butt. I mean, so out of my comfort zone, but so good for me. I sweat so much each class. And uh, Erica is amazing. She is fun. She doesn't take herself too seriously. Um, you don't even know you're working out. You just you're just having fun, and you're with um, a queer community. Okay, so if you're in the LGBT plus community and you're feeling disconnected, this is a great way to reconnect, and you can reconnect all over the world, um, which is amazing. These virtual classes, and. Um, and so that's, she's been doing this for years in Austin, and she's created a safe space for the LGBT plus community through her workouts. And so she, this is not, this is something she's been doing. And so I want to support her when I can, because I think she has just been such a leader in, um, in making this a positive, uh, working out a positive experience for people who may not feel welcome in gyms, frankly. 
Okay, so um, if you want to check her out, I'll have her info in the show notes. She has a Patreon, and oh my God, the deal is she has these tiers. Um, for $5 a month, you can get access to all her virtual classes. So like if you're doing cardio three times a week for $5 a month, that is quite the deal. And of course, the tiers go up from there. But please check her out if you're interested. I know for me, cardio is not my thing. Dancing is certainly not my thing. And what I love about it is I've been out of my comfort zone, but I'm in the comfort of my own home. So learning how to dance has not been nearly as intimidating as if I had to go you know, to a studio and uh, try to have rhythm. <laughs> I'm the kind of person who historically like dances like ironically, right? So this this is really good for me. Um, so yeah, I hope I hope you can to check her out. I hope you have fun just as much and maybe I'll see you in class. And I was I was kind of looking at our little thing earlier and um, you mentioned plank pose and warrior two, how that changes sort of your mind. In a way, would you want to elaborate on that? Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So this is where I get a little nerdy in terms of what's happening in our bodies and our minds and our nervous system. So remember, recall that I was the yogi like yourself who was like, eh, Shavasana. And through my studies, I found myself on a path of restorative yoga. So I'll come back full circle to Warrior Two and Plank. And restorative yoga was something I never experienced until I came to Austin. Mm. And that was, whoa, that was like Shavasana times 10. Mm -hmm. In terms of of stillness and like, whoa, that's there. Um, And that, I don't know if I've ever, and still, if I ever get as relaxed and then that centered calm that I do with restorative yoga. So... With restorative yoga, you are moving your body from a state of fight or flight, or what we call the sympathetic nervous system, and then shifting, down-regulating to rest and digest, which is the parasympathetic system, which most of us are never in. (laughs) We wake up, we look at our phone, we make coffee, we rush out the door, we listen to the news, we go to work, and it's just, we're spiraling. We're on autopilot, right? Yeah. And then we and then we get reactive. Maybe a colleague says something to us, and we we have something else on our mind, and we ah, we you know blurt out something that we're like, whoa, where did that come from? So in restorative yoga, you're giving yourself a reset for your nervous system to really process, just like the taste of shavasana. And then I noticed my asana, the flow vinyasa practices, that I started to experience that shift even in those challenging poses like warrior two or plank pose and your teacher is cueing you, be with your breath and hold. And you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to get out of this posture. Like, get me out. I'm just going to, you know, flee. Yeah. What's happening when we stay and then we stay with relaxed face and intentional breathing is that we're training our nervous system in that state of quote unquote stress, right? Warrior two is stress on the physical body, but we're staying with breath. We're 
training the nervous system to respond to the stress rather than react to it. Mm. So over time, instead of being like, oh, I want to get out of this pose, you're like, okay, I'm here. This is hard. I'm going to be in this. And that, I think, that's really fascinating because in life, that's the same thing. So everything on my mat is now shifting to life. So if I'm going through something challenging in life where I'm like, man, I do not like this part of my life right now or the circumstances, but I'm in it. And like we were talking about before, this like idea of the lesson, the experience of the teacher, right? Mm -hmm. The actual life situation as the teacher of, okay, I'm here. I can be really reactive and angry and upset, or I can just be with this and know that I'm not going to be in this situation forever. It's going to pass and I can learn from it. And I think that radically rewired my way of experiencing hardship and challenge of it's okay. I love that. Just like it's okay to be in warrior two for a few more breaths. Yeah. And Shavasana. <laughs> yes, exactly. Please. The hardest pose of them all. It is. That's yeah, exactly. No, that, that is a beautiful way to put it. I mean, you are really training your nervous system for life when you, when you do that. Exactly. And I think we need that as a society in the Western world, especially that we are so stressed out when, you know, and I'll say the fight or flight isn't negative in itself. We're just in it too much, right? Agreed, yeah. It, you know, and so I don't want to give it a bad rap, but let us re be reminded that most of the time we're in fight or flight, we, we can choose to be aware that generally there's no tiger. Yeah. Right. We give more stress to the situation, but it's as if we are addicted to stress because we're so conditioned mm. for it. Well, we wake up to alarm. Like, what is an alarm clock? clock? Right. It's like, I mean, not all of us. I'm probably most of the people listening probably have really, they probably have the Zen, zen alarm clocks. I wake up to my cats, like, begging for food. Oh, that's special. But, but like, if that's, you know, just, like, as a society, it's, it's yeah, we could probably use <laughs> a little less, um, a little less, uh, of that stress. But I, yeah, I agree that I do think it is addictive. I mean, just being on your phone can be addictive. I know I just like touch my phone like all day long. Exactly. And I think it goes back to we're, we're not comfortable with stillness, mm. the silence, the, even the quote unquote boredom. I'm yeah. Like, I was going to say boring. Like I'm bored and that's why I pick up my phone yeah. like, every time. I'm just bored. And we're so, we're driven by instant gratification. Mm. And so like the practices of restorative yoga or Shavasana is like, it's in the outside, it looks kind of boring. You're just laying mm. there for 20, 30 minutes in a, in a very, very relaxing position. But I mean, just like you need to plug your phone in to be charged. How much more do we need that? Yes. And we forget. Yeah. 
And I think it's undervalued because it doesn't look productive. Yeah. Yes. It's not Instagrammable. Although I think it'd be hilarious to do a series of Instagram photos of just like Shavasana. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> and yeah. And I think it's an undoing and it's the giving the self permission to be. And I think that's another way of yoga in life is giving yourself permission to, to be, whether you're doing restorative or you're just taking a few moments before you eat a meal and you're, you don't need to just scarf it down. You just allow yourself these transitional moments, mm. you know, and just like in a yoga pose, when you take warrior two and we transition through a vinyasa to do it mindfully, to do yeah. it with breath right? From like moving, I notice like my days get really packed when I'm moving from a private to a studio to the corporate office to teach that in my car in between, I do that hand to heart, hand to belly breathing so that I can transition. Mm. I never thought of it like that, but yeah, transitions are really important in regular life. So you don't react. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just a, a little like, you know, moment to reset. Okay. I, I had this experience. Every experience we have, good, bad, joyful, successful, challenging, leaves a residue. Mm. And, and so it's almost like a mini, a mini Shavasana where I'm allowing myself, okay, let me experience and reflect just for a moment on the residue to feel the residue of that energetic exchange or whatever was happening to allow myself to process it okay and then i can move on full hearted open connected to the next thing rather than just taking that all with me and then like subconsciously or consciously like putting that on other people yeah that is, i mean that is really a wise practice i uh I hadn't really thought of it until you brought that up. That is, thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's uh, been a great help for me when my days are just jam-packed. I'm like, whoa, I need, I need that. Um, I need that little reprieve. Mm -hmm. And then I think, you know, you like taking those times to reset in a larger capacity, um, if my day allows for a short window of like 30 minutes, even 15 minutes to at home, preferably, I will just lay down with my legs over a bed or chair and just turn a timer on for 15 to 30 minutes, depending, and just become silent and still. Mm. Um, different than a nap. Maybe mm -hmm. one day I will fall asleep because I'm exhausted. But I just think there's so much power in stillness. Yes. Yeah. Sounds very nourishing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've touched a little bit on your philosophy class you signed up for. I want to know what you're curious about right now. Yeah. I um, always philosophy. The yoga philosophy and the intersection of Buddhism and mm -hmm. the history of philosophy and where it's emerged, emerged, I find it very motivating and inspiring. And I think that actually my, that desire stems from the yoga philosophy, especially the eight limbs of yoga. 
Mm -hmm. And in particular, the, the yamas and niyamas, which are the first two limbs, and those focus on 10 moral and ethical ways of living. And that's, I referred to that before as that really is my moral compass. Mm. And I, I, refer, I refer to them as the 10 non-religious commandments um, that yeah. explore worlds of non-violence and truth, non-attachment, um, moderation, contentment, mm. discipline, surrender, and self-study. And I, I love them so much because they present themselves so potently just at the right time. So I'll try to work on them all, but then I'll go through something in life, a little situation, and I always try to remember them every single day, like on as a meditation. And sometimes I'll forget one. And I'm like, that is so weird. I know these. And then the one I forgot always be always emerges as this little life lesson of something small, right? Of someone said something and I'm like, oh, that's really frustrating. And then the one I forgot was non-attachment. <laughs> or something like that where I'm like, cool. oh my gosh, the universe is is teaching us constantly if we open ourselves to it. Yeah. So I think that's where I just, I'm diving deeper into like, in the magic of the philosophy. Mm. Yeah. And I bet that's its own rabbit hole because doesn't it seem like when you go down all that, there's so many lessons the universe has to present you. It's yeah, it's like, like, are you sure you want to sign up for this? Do I dare? Do I dare? Yeah, <laughs> sure, I dare. And it's like, oh, here we go. Uh, I, I, um, I used to teach, or I, I teach, it's just on pause right now, but a, like a sensitive soul series, like an empath series about boundaries. Okay. Well, guess what? <laughs> if you want to teach about boundaries, the universe is going to be like, okay, let's see if you can handle all these boundary crossing people in, you know, like, like it would always happen like a week before. Um, all my bound, like my boundaries would get crossed and I have to stand up for myself, you know, and it would like, it would never happen otherwise. Um, I don't, I just thought that was so, I just felt like sharing that for some No, reason. that's so right on. I love it. And I think, I think that's like, that's, I think that's the kind of the bread and butter of it. It's mm -hmm. the universe is going to give you what you're like opening yourself up to what you're seeking. It's, and, and it's for the betterment of ourselves and mm -hmm. I and again it goes back to like we don't need to fear it right we are on this very unique path of life it's mm -hmm. a ride and sometimes it feels like we're on a high and other times it feels like we're on a low mm -hmm. but it always presents us with what we need in the given time to grow and to transform mm -hmm. right that we aren't meant to stay who we were five years ago you know, because then if that was the case and we came to our deathbed, say we live a full life and we just, we didn't evolve, we didn't grow, life was easy and fluid, right? There's so much more. Yes. All right. How do you reset personally? Great question. I, you know, I shared a little bit about quick breathing techniques and giving myself permission to do 
a restorative pose at home during really busy days. But also I think, you know, it can look different for each person. And I think that's part of the process of what brings you joy, what brings freedom, a sense of calm for you. It doesn't always need to be yogi, yogic, right? In, in that box, if we're looking just at that. So for me, it's anything outside. Mm. Getting outside of the four walls that I'm in. And that's just an instant perspective shift, right? Open sky, right? Whether that's gardening and like being hands in the dirt, biking and just moving energy, walking or running, hiking, being in nature, there's something profound of its presence that it's so much bigger than what meets the eye of myself. And there is this beautiful experience of, wow, this is mesmerizing. I feel small, but I don't feel small in the sense that my self-worth is small, but that there's so much more. Mm. And so I think that's why it's so resetting for me is it gets me out of my own headspace of me, my, my own personal issues, struggles, etc. And uh, I can like look beyond, right? Bigger picture. Yes. Yeah. And um, you're talking about nature and um, we're doing a video thing here and I can see all those beautiful plants behind you. Are those all real? Yeah, those are all real. You kept all those alive? Yeah, I think I have like 25 plus plants in my house. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, because these plants are all beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, they're my plant babes. Yeah. Uh, so I just, you know, and even having that in my house is also like I could lay in the ground and just look at my plants and feel a sense mm -hmm. of peace of like, wow, this grew from a tiny little seed and I and expanded into this like, how did that happen? And actually, you know, maybe this is kind of a beautiful point of the whole thing is there's, I'm paraphrasing, it's from the Bhagavad Gita. And this really hit home for me that just, I'm paraphrasing it, it says, just as a seed produces a particular flower or fruit, so goes with the thoughts that we think. Mm. Yeah. And so that for me is really taking yoga into life. Oh, um, how am I thinking about myself and others and my life and my choices? Because that's going to grow and produce whatever is in, in the mind and heart. Oh, wow. That is beautiful. Well, Christine, um, where can people find you? Yes. I would say the best way to find me is through Instagram. It is Christine underscore Anderson underscore yoga. Um, feel free to shoot me a DM, reach out. I'd love to stay connected that way. And I have all my links there of different retreats and trainings. And right now I actually have a philosophy course online on the eight limbs. Mm -hmm through my vinyasa practice, which is a studio here in Austin and is also a program that I teach in teacher trainings with. 
And then an international program I teach with is called East West. So I highly recommend you check them out. They're both very beautiful and wonderful offerings. And yeah, please reach out to me. I'd love to get connected. Great. And all this, all of Christine's info will be in the show notes. So you're just one click away from connecting to her. And um, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. I hope you enjoyed today's episode about yoga and living life off the mat and feel inspired from the conversation with the knowledgeable Christine Anderson. All her info is in the show notes, so you're just one click away from connecting with her. Do connect with her. I highly recommend it. Please consider supporting the podcast on our Patreon. There are exclusive member perks. And the link to that is in the show notes, or you can simply go to my website, ashleyweberyoga.com, to find out more info. If you liked what you heard, please show us some love and share with your friends. And if you would like to help the podcast further, please, please, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps out the show when you do that. You can email us at yogaandpodcast at gmail.com. The and is spelled out Y-O-G-A-A-N-D podcast at gmail. You can follow us on Instagram at yogaandpodcast. Please connect with us and let us know if you have any specific topics for future episodes. We now have merch such as coffee mugs, hoodies, tote bags, t-shirts, and more. And you can check that out at ashleyweberyoga.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.